This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Monday, August 15th. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, mudslide strands recreators on Black Bear Pass, Smart Seas higher ridership, a love song comes home, and a mountain weather forecast. San Miguel County Search and Rescue and Sheriff deputies responded to an incident in the Ingram Falls area of Black Bear Pass on Saturday after reports of mudslides left eight vehicles and 15 individuals stranded. We also were able to use our air resource to scope out what was happening, but also ended up using that to get one of our deputies up near Ingram Falls and he hiked to the four cars that were trapped up there. That's Susan Lilly, public information officer for the San Miguel County Sheriff's Office. Meanwhile, another one of our deputies had to park near the power plant and hike up to the other four cars that were trapped on the other side of the falls. Um, And we had a total of 15 people, including um, an elderly male and a child. Uh, So we had no injuries, we were very fortunate, and we were able to get everyone safely down. In total, the rescue took approximately three hours to complete. We had plenty of mud, but also a ton of rocks that were coming down, covering the switchbacks in multiple areas, and making it impassable certainly for motorists, but in some cases for people too. And that was our concern, is how do we get these people safely down to awaiting patrol cars, awaiting UTVs, so that we can get them down. Lily notes it's an important reminder to the potential danger of driving mountain passes. Black Bear passes, not for everyone, but yet it's open to everyone. So use your best judgment, read the weather, come equipped that you know you might be spending the night in the back country even though you're in a vehicle so have plenty of food water uh, safe shoes don't be going up there in flip-flops and a tank top Uh, you might get stranded and you know weather changes quickly in these mountains Um, so you know have some common sense but also have some road sense some four by four sense take an appropriate vehicle and appropriate equipment and use your mind Black Bear Road was closed on Monday as San Miguel County worked to repair the road. The road, with access to Bridal Veil Falls, reopened at 5 p.m. on Monday, August 15th. Ridership for the San Miguel Authority for Regional Transportation is up significantly between this year and last. That's according to Carrie DiStefano, operations manager for the transit body, who briefed the smart board of directors at their meeting last week. In particular, she points to some new times on the Lawson Hill route. The morning route, a little later morning that we added the 1010 to 1050 is really is doing really, really well. I would expect that to maybe change once school starts, because I think I think a lot of that ridership has come from kids that, you know, they sleep late and then they get up and want to go do something in town. A new Lawson Hill route in the late evening, Stefano explains, is also seeing good numbers. It was definitely worthwhile to add that. A new midday route between Norwood and Telluride, she adds, has also been doing well. Smart Executive Director David Averill notes a new late-night service back to Norwood has also seen use. I've had people approach me on Main Street, business owners, restaurant owners, bar owners, and say, hey, that's great that now our employees can get home 
later in the evening and use your service. So I, I hear that on the street. And I think that's starting to bear out in the ridership a little bit. Averill explains Smart will continue pushing the new service. A lot of times it takes maybe a year for that kind of thing to be sort of stabilized as far as like people recognize it's there, start using it consistently and things like that. So we'll stick with it for a while. Rico, however, is an exception to the trend of increased usage. Smart Board Vice Chair Joe Dillsworth has suggested the expense might be one factor. To that, DeStefano notes, Smart is participating in a state-run program offering free rides for the month of August. Hopefully, this little break on the fares to Rico will help that ridership. I, we won't know until those numbers come in for August, but... Um, yeah, I'm hopeful that that'll make a little bit of a difference. DeStefano is also continuing outreach for a senior and disabled transit service roadmap Smart has been working on for several months. She plans to attend upcoming senior luncheons throughout the region with a survey to help gather data about reactions to new and existing transit services. It's been a struggle to get word out to people that these services are um, even existing And so hopefully we'll gain some insight about how to make that a little better. Finally, the Smart Board is interested in adding a representative from Norwood to continue the discussion about the transit body. Here's board member Marty Prohaska. It seems like it would benefit them as much as it would benefit Smart. Averill notes that because the town of Norwood doesn't fund Smart, they cannot have a voting representative. But he agrees they should have a representative on the Community Advisory Committee. Board Chair Chris Holstrom says she'll talk with Norwood Mayor Candy Meehan about the idea. Max Walker-Silverman gives Telluride a lot of credit when it comes to his start in film. I suppose if I really try to trace it back, it all it all comes to this town and this community and the fortune of growing up here, um, of growing up with caring parents, but also wise and passionate teachers. And, you know, I think a lot of the blame has to go to like Sally Davis and um, Jen and Young People's Theater and David Lavender and, and many, many more who, I don't know, just like gave me and many others who, who grew up here like a, a childhood surrounded by art and creation and stories and um, comfort in the mush of making them. He moved to California for undergrad, drifted aimlessly and happily, where he made, quote, lots of bad art in different mediums. He ended up in New York City, going to film school at NYU. But something always pulled him home to the San Juans. Perhaps it takes leaving a place to to really learn to value it, and that's what happened to me. Um, Chasing knowledge on both coasts, and um, the great gift of that journey has been sort of circling back to where, where it started and living here again and working here and finding that maybe, you know, there's a way to make work here that means something to people all over the place. Walker Silverman's latest and first feature film, A Love Song, brought him home again.
The film was shot at Miramonte, outside of Norwood, and follows Faye and Leto, two friends pulled apart by time and brought back together again. At the end of the day, the film is kind of a, a meditation on all the different forms that love can take. Um, um, you know, certainly the version that's shared with another person, but many other versions as well. Um, forms of love that are shared with no one or shared with the memory of someone um, or shared with oneself or shared with a place. Uh, I think that's all sort of floating around in there. Walker Silverman says there wasn't a seed of inspiration for the film, but rather a scattering of spores. Look at my community here and it's, you know, there's my young friends, but a lot of older people as well and unofficial aunts and unofficial uncles and people who've loved me and whom I've loved and just seeing the way, um, you know, people can come apart at times in life um, and, and the different things that that leaves people hoping for or not hoping for um, and what I found myself hoping for these people and I don't know, some, some of that was maybe to find someone new and some of that was um, maybe just to believe it was even possible. A love song premiered at the Sundance Film Festival in 2022. It has been nominated and won awards at festivals across the globe. Now it's coming home. It's a thrill more than anything and, and like the, the smallest little gift back we can give because this was such a creation of the community and so many people, far too many to mention, kicked in to, to make it happen. A little nerve-wracking too, of course. The, the barrier for what'll pass is true is, is a little higher from people actually from this place. And um, I don't know. I hope, hope doesn't feel like all hat and no horse or whatever, but um, very, very excited. I hope hope people can enjoy it. And there's there's always a thrill of seeing seeing a place you recognize on a big screen with a vast soundscape. So at the very least, there will be that. The film features a score from Ramzi Bashur, but also focuses on the quiet. I'm really drawn to like these questions of space and of quiet. Um, I guess because they seem like such relative concepts, you know, like um, like people talk about silence in the movie, and but it's also like the movie's never silent. It's just we're hearing the sounds we don't normally hear in a film, but sounds that anyone here and everyone who gets outside will be very familiar with. Um, wind and water and leaves and earth and soil, like those all, those are all like sonic beings and um, I don't know, maybe I just hope it would be more respectful like to the place and to the people to allow, allow those sounds to populate it. For Walker Silverman, his films exist at the intersection of joy, hardship, and memories of this small piece of land. It is love letters to this place, but also to the hopes and to the memories of it. Um, and that, you know, what can we learn from our past? What can we hope to do better in the future? A love song will play for one night only at the Nugget Theater on Thursday, August 18th. John Kedrowski has camped out overnight on the summit of each and every one of Colorado's 14ers. This Wednesday, he'll take to the somewhat milder climate of the Wilkinson Public Library to discuss his latest book, Classic Colorado Hikes. 
The experienced mountaineer, skier, and rider will share advice for trip planning and safety, as well as his favorite routes across the state. The Classic Colorado Hikes event will take place at 5.30 p.m. at the library and will feature a book signing and discussion of local trails under development. Colorado Parks and Wildlife is announcing exciting new opportunities for recreation at Ridgeway State Park. The park is unveiling a track chair program, which will allow visitors with limited mobility to access some of the trails within the park. The chairs are equipped with treads that can handle variable terrain. The park is also announcing plans to add more track chair accessible trails in the coming years. In addition, the park is unveiling a Moby mat and Moby chair, which will allow differently abled visitors to enjoy the park's waterfront and swimming area along the Ridgeway Reservoir. According to CPW, the Ridgeway Park is the region's most popular state park. The department adds the new features will greatly expand opportunities for differently abled visitors. Similar programs elsewhere in the state have been highly successful. The track chairs and other new items are available for reservation at no cost other than park admission. Colorado's economy is growing faster than most states in the nation, but the latest forecast also includes some warning signs. Researchers at the University of Colorado say rapid inflation, rising interest rates, and supply chain issues are the biggest threats. But there is a lot they're bragging about in their latest study. Colorado's rebound from COVID is the 10th best in the country when looking at job numbers. New business filings are also up slightly this year over last. And the state's gas prices have dropped more than 11 percent since late June. But the study shows not everyone is feeling the boost to the recovery. Governments, hotels, schools, and healthcare facilities still don't have as many employees as they did before the pandemic. Colorado's trails, campgrounds, and parks are getting more crowded, but surveys show the droves of visitors are overwhelmingly white and wealthy. A new initiative launching this summer hopes to change that. As KOTO Scott Franz reports, the new state's outdoor equity grants are helping people of color feel more comfortable in nature. It's 10 minutes into a fly fishing lesson at Lincoln Hills, a summer camp in the mountains just west of Boulder. And the children are mostly catching the shrubs behind them. No fish has bit. But Tara Griffin isn't giving up. The black teenager from Aurora is wearing a shirt with a fish on it that says, keep it real. And Tara and his classmates are casting their flies deeper into the pond. I think I may have one. Then Tara feels a tug at the line. A trout pierces the pond's glassy surface. I was so excited that I had to keep it inside of me. Like, this, I was shaking. An hour later, Tara is still beaming about his first catch. It, it, was, it was a little bit little, you know. Uh, but it was still cool. It, it was like the, the best experience of all time. Tara and the other kids who come to this day camp learn about much more than catching fish. They discover this place was created a century ago by black Coloradans who were not welcomed at public parks and open spaces during segregation. It's called Lincoln Hills, and its legacy of promoting racial equality lives on. This was a safe haven for black people from the 20s through the 60s. And it was a, a great opportunity for people to come, they recreate. 
J.R. LaPierre is an outdoor guide at Lincoln Hills. He says the courses teach children of color they can have fun connecting with nature, regardless of their income, race, or level of experience in the outdoors. You see interviews that have been done and stories of not feeling comfortable being in the outdoors and, you know, black and brown kids and other marginalized youth and adults being told they don't belong. Right, so we're breaking down those barriers. That includes the high cost of outdoor gear and transportation, something Lincoln Hills pays for. Their mission is getting a boost this summer from the state, which is investing 1.8 million in outdoor programs that help underserved communities. Lincoln Hills is one of 43 groups getting the first round of money. LaPierre says it will boost attendance. Meanwhile, more than 100 miles to the north in the ski town of Steamboat Springs, a group called the Cycle Effect is also using the state money to break down barriers. When in doubt, it's always fun to just hang out and it's like a, it's, we're like a family on the trails. 14-year-old Vanessa Avitia joined the Girls Mountain Biking Club last year. She says she's learned how to tackle steep hills, pop wheelies, and much, much more. How to be a better person, how to be a better friend. My experience has been amazing. I love the cycle effect. After the girls carefully air up their tires, they form a circle for a meet and greet. A majority of the camp's athletes are people of color, and there are several adult translators in the group to simultaneously give the lessons in Spanish. Marketing director Carly West says the Outdoor Equity Grant will help cover the cost of purchasing bikes, gear, and transportation. It also supports a new initiative. We've made a commitment that 70% of our athletes will be BIPOC, which in most of our communities is um, the Latinx community. West says the athletes stay with the program for several years. I get to come out and do this and ride bikes and see people who wouldn't normally be on bikes get out here and not only like give them the resources to get out here, but actually give them a space where they feel like they belong. Researchers with the Outdoor Foundation say three quarters of people who regularly visit the outdoors are Caucasian. Black and Latino people account for less than 7% of visits to national forests. The Outdoor Equity Grants are rolling out in several Colorado counties, from a paddleboarding group in Loveland to a rock climbing camp for girls in Boulder. I'm Scott Franz at the State Capitol. Conservation groups are praising a new scientific proposal to protect a large swath of western land that could help restore wolf and beaver populations. KGN News Benita Lee has more. Researchers are recommending the federal government stop using portions of these public lands for grazing so that a wildlife corridor can be established from Washington State down to New Mexico. Scientists say successful reintroductions of wolves and beavers at Yellowstone Park and other wild lands show that these species make ecosystems thrive. Ecologists hope the plan, dubbed the Western Rewilding Network, will help restore streams and reduce drought, wildfires, and other effects of climate change. The paper's authors challenged the Biden administration to create this wildland network as part of his America the Beautiful plan. After taking office, Biden signed an executive order to conserve 30 percent of U.S. land and water by 2030. For KGNU, I'm Benita Lee. 
The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for an 80% chance of showers and thunderstorms tonight, with a low around 50 degrees. Tuesday, there's a 90% chance of showers and thunderstorms, with a high around 60 degrees and a low around 50. Wednesday calls for showers and thunderstorms. The high is in the mid-60s, with a low around 50 degrees. This has been the news for Monday, August 15th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206.